0: In the world of freedom, ihr
1: Volker der Welt. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
2: It's behind This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arnd Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe.
3: Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arnd Peltner. In today's program we look once again to the situation of German internees during World War II I have an interview with author John Criscow, so stay tuned. But first, the news.
2: Radio Goethe magazine. The news
3: with Nina Paula.
4: Berlin. Germany has marked the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. In a big ceremony on Monday night, thousand colorful 2.5-meter-high dominoes fell down in front of Brandenburg Gate, the symbol of Germany's division and reunification. The spectacle was watched by tens of thousands as well as world leaders gathered at the site. Chancellor Angela Merkel hailed the courage of the East Germans and said, the fall of the wall should serve as an inspiration to master current challenges. The Irish rockers U2 then played a free concert in front of the Brandenburg Gate. The song "One" from the 1991 album Achtung Baby was included in the setlist. It was written and recorded when the band was in Berlin in 1989 until 1990. Their recording studio stood directly in the Berlin Wall's shadow. The celebrations of the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall ended with a firework display over the Brandenburg Gate. Hannover Germany is shocked by the suicide of the top goalkeeper Robert Enke. Apparently, the national player suffered from depression for years. In a last note, Enke is said to have apologized to his family and doctors for his decision to take his life and for not having been honest about the severity of his condition. Germany's national team have cancelled off their Saturday match against Chile. We thought about playing the game as a farewell to Robert, but it is clear it is too soon after this terrible news," said team manager Oliver Bierhoff, who was visibly upset during the press conference. During the next Bundesliga matches, a minute of silence will be held and black armbands will be worn in his honor. Berlin. The former German gangster rapper Semi Deluxe changes his tune. He now has recultivated his image and is targeting German youth with his new positive message. Through his organization Crossover, Deluxe hopes to bring young adults together to promote better understanding. The hip-hop idol was not always so socially minded, but now he is well aware of his influence on young adults. Making music is one of the Crossover methods. Crossover has even organized basketball and hip-hop workshops at several secondary schools in Hamburg to bring together students of different social backgrounds.
1: And the government began to tighten up its control of the several million alien Germans, Italians and Japanese in the United States. It's a vast job, this. But the FBI says its organization has taken all these aliens under surveillance, especially the Japanese on the West Coast. During
3: World War II, about 11,000 Germans were interned in the United States. They were not prisoners of war, they were immigrants living in the U.S. at that time. Some of them have been in the country for many years, some even fled Nazi Germany to be prosecuted once again over here. John Criscow is an author living in the San Francisco Bay Area. In the mid-80s, he wrote a book about the untold story of Germans who were interned. The book went nowhere, but now Enemies by John Criscow
2: is republished. Why is there now an interest? I think the interest has continued to grow because of what happened in 9-11 in this country. People saw... The extent to which an episode like 9-11 could create fear and ethnic tensions, uh, if not outright racism, and how an ethnic group could become the victims of that fear. And as we understand more and more of what happened after 9-11, the question that people asked is, well... Where's the tradition for this in our country? Where did this come from? Was it something that was peculiar and unique to the Bush administration, which everybody demonizes, in many cases rightly so, or was it something that had historical roots? And when people begin to examine that and look for the historical roots, they turn to World War II. Because it was fear and hysteria that drove initially the ethnic anxieties and injustices directed at Germans, Italians, and Japanese in World War II. So that's one explanation, that people make a lot of connections between what happened uh, after nine eleven and In seeking to understand that, they turn to the history of World War II. That's one connection. The other connection is that people are beginning to understand what part fear plays in this culture. Fear as orchestrated and instrumented largely by the media. If you look at the tape loops after 9-11 of people running along the streets of New York as the North Tower collapsed, smoke billowing, people screaming, it's as as if it's something right out of a horror movie, a, 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 a traditional thriller You can't believe this is really happening. Well, when the media showed that over and over and over again, it became clear that fear is, when properly manipulated by the media, fear is an instrument of all kinds of injustices in our country. Um, The third thing that makes the connection between then and now is that the Japanese-American story has been told and is gotten an awful lot of national attention, beginning 15 years ago with reparations for the internment of Japanese-Americans. And that was a huge civil rights abuse, one of the biggest in the history of this country. But people are now beginning to ask what were the roots of that abuse and people now begin to understand that, that Franklin Roosevelt didn't just wake up one morning and slap his forehead and say, I think I'll intern 110,000 Japanese Americans. He and his bureaucracy drew on for experience Everything that had been going on for a year or two with the creation of the alien enemy control program. And that meant a bureaucracy that had to build internment camps beginning in 1940. It had to figure out how to bus people who were being arrested. It had to figure out how to feed them, how to clothe them, how to educate the younger folks. And all of that bureaucracy was not just suddenly created as of uh, the summer of 1942 when the Japanese were relocated. The antecedents for that can can be seen in the Alien-Enemy Control Act. And as people make those connections, uh, it's an issue more and more people make those connections today, and they begin to understand now that the Alien-Enemy Control Act was the ultimate father of what happened to Japanese-Americans.
3: You mentioned the Japanese-Americans. A huge number of them was interned. But why is the story of 11,000 interned Germans of interest?
2: The reason they should care is that if you focus only on the Japanese-Americans, it which was largely the result of racism, but it was also the result of ethnic fear and invasion hysteria. And when it came to invasion hysteria and ethnic fear, what other two groups did they look at carefully and fearfully? They looked at Germans and they looked at Italians, who don't look different physically, than the rest of the population. If you only analyze what happened to Japanese Americans, then you are talking about a fairly restricted dragnet that's limited to a certain racial type. But if you understand that the original dragnet was much broader and had uh, consequences for a much larger group of people, one million enemy aliens, then you see how important and tragic the Alien-Enemy Act was during World War II. And you see that it isn't just people who look different, like the Japanese Americans in this country, who need to be fearful. It's all of us. All of us. If the country gets driven enough by fear, then anybody can be relocated, detained and interned.
3: When you wrote your book 25 years ago, you spoke and interviewed many former internees. Today, most of them are gone. Isn't there a point to say, okay, let's put this story to
2: rest? They, all of the internees I interned uh, are dead. I mean all of the internees that I talk to are dead. Uh, if their experience isn't kept alive, if people don't know what happened to them, if the story goes to the grave along with them, then we will continue to make those same mistakes. and the people who have kept the story alive are the daughters mainly of former internees like Karen Ebel, Ursula Potter, uh, Heidi Gerke. Those are the people who have worked to keep the story alive because they remember and know what how devastating these events were to their families and they are the activists who will make sure that this story doesn't die they'll make sure that those internees who have gone to their graves their story will be told
3: your book enemies is now again available it's republished did you change anything
2: in it well i didn't change any of the major stories because those stories i think still are relevant and critical and they were my effort 20 years ago to tell the whole story as I knew it then of the alien enemy internment program. What I've added is an afterword of approximately 20 pages which discusses those case histories that I didn't know about 20-25 years ago. They are the case histories of Japanese Latin Americans, German Latin Americans, uh, German Americans, uh, German aliens, Italians, Italian Americans. And I try to summarize briefly all of those stories that have emerged since my book. And there are a dozen writers, good writers, who have dug those stories out from the archives long after I... I came and went on the scene. So, I might, Enemies might have been the first book, but it by far wasn't uh, the only book or the end of it. And there will be still more books, there's still more aspects of the story emerge. The whole Latin American chapter, which resulted in the internment of 4,000 German Latin Americans, that story is. Shamefully, still not known. And it is the modern American form of extreme rendition. And we went into Latin America and literally kidnapped people, Germans and Japanese mainly, in the dead of night and brought them to this country and imprisoned them without any due process, without habeas corpus provisions. Uh, this was devastating to families. That story is still in the act of being uncovered and written about, as well it should be. When we
3: talked for the first time in the late 90s, I had this impression that nobody really cared about the story behind your book. Listening to you now, I don't quite understand why it takes an event like 9-11 for people over here to wake up.
2: You know, it's so true, no one cared when my book came out. That was 1984. And I had some convictions with respect to this being a unique story that no one else had told. So I had some pretty high hopes for the book. I didn't expect it to be a bestseller, but I thought it would be unique, new history that scholars and historians would turn to. I was dead wrong. The book came and went and died in two years. It was dead, stone cold dead. The publisher let it go out of print and there it sat for almost 20 years out of print. Occasionally I'd get a letter or an email from somebody like Karen Ebel saying, Where do I go to get documents on this story? And they kept it. They brought it back to life. And then the events of 9-11 really resurrected it. And at that point, people began to understand that maybe there's some history that we ought to be studying about relocation and internment. And so at that point... Uh, my book came back into fashion. And in the last year, the University of Nebraska Press, which published this reprint, decided that it was a book with some important history and they wanted to add it to their lists. And I said, let's go, let's do it. This is a story that has to be, that deserves a wider audience than it's had.
3: John, you have written many books, very different stories. What drives you to write?
2: Well, I think the first interest I have is the very same interest that drove me to look into the story of Germans and Italians and Japanese enemy aliens. How can certain ethnic groups or minorities be influenced by fear and the ethnic prejudices and racial prejudices of this country? And that's an issue that I've been interested in since I was a kid in Minnesota. Uh, And so those are issues that continue to drive me. I'm working right now on a story set in the Civil War in 1863 about a, a group of black slaves in Missouri who are rescued by Minnesota soldiers They're rescued from slavery, and they're the soldiers who do the rescue. It's a heroic rescue, one of those cliffhanging thriller-type stories where they have to stop a train with these slaves on it, headed for Kentucky, where they're going to be sold on the slave market. And these Minnesota soldiers step in and stop the train and get the blacks... Uh, slaves off the train so that they're released. That story is one I'm working on now because it strikes me as a perfect illustration of what happened to blacks in this country uh, 150 years ago and is still happening. Not in that degree, but we're still not a entirely accepting country with racial minorities and ethnic minorities.
3: But you also wrote a book about basketball, right?
2: I did, because I was a basketball player in college uh, at San Francisco State University, where I studied writing with the great Western writer Walter Van Tilburg-Clark who wrote one of the classics of Western literature, uh, The Oxbow Incident, which not incidentally is also about injustice and innocence. Uh, And basketball has been deep in my blood uh, since I was a kid in Minnesota. And so there were a couple of issues in the game of basketball that I pursued for a while, one of which was a classic game in 1948 between the all-black Harlem Globetrotters and the all-white Minneapolis Lakers. And that was 1948, and I saw that game as, as a perfect illustration of the racial standoff that was going on in this country. And here in Chicago Stadium, 18,000 people showed up to watch this game with the showboating Harlem Globetrotters, nothing but tricksters, versus the all-powerful and mighty and not incidentally all-white Minneapolis Lakers. Who would win? Well, the Globetrotters don't have a chance because they're nothing but basketball clowns. The Globetrotters beat them, and it was the first big step in recognition of a lot of racists in this country, that black athletes, if given a chance, were some of the best athletes in the country. And that was as far back as 1948, and that's a story also that has that, I got interested in because of that deep interest I have in injustice and prejudice.
3: One last question I have for you, what will happen to the story of the interned Germans when all participants, the ones who were interned, but also the ones like yourself who wrote about this, when all those participants are dead, how will this story stay alive?
2: Well, I hope it will, and that's why, I hope it'll stay alive, and that's why I'm so happy that the University of Nebraska Press picked up the republishing rights to it, because they have an interest in history. They're a scholarly publisher. They'll make sure that, it, uh, that scholars and historians have the book at their fingertips. And that'll be one step that will keep it alive. I think the other step that will keep the issue alive is the legislation that's pending in Washington, the Wartime Treatment Study Act, which uh, Karen Ebel... The daughter of an internee who now lives in New Jersey in New Hampshire, uh, she almost single handedly crafted the bill, fought it through various subcommittees and congressional staffers to get a hearing last spring in Washington before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Immigration. And I went back for that hearing to testify along with Karen, and two or three other folks. And if the subcommittee reports to Congress appropriately, and if Congress reacts appropriately, there'll be a commission formed to study the whole issue of what happened during World War II. And that'll be a huge step forward. In the very same way that the Civil Liberties Act of 1984 and 85 created a new understanding of what happened to Japanese Americans, the Wartime Treatment Study Act could create a whole new understanding of how Germans and Italians were also affected.
3: There was an interview with John Crisco. His book Enemies is republished. You can find it on Amazon. And there was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Please find us online at radiogöte.org. I'm Arndt Peltner.
5: There'll be a hot time in the town of Berlin When the Yanks go marching in I wanna be their boy Spread some joy when they take old Berlin There'll be a hot time in the town of Berlin When the Brooklyn Boys begin To take the joint apart And tear it down When they take old Berlin they're going to start a row and show them how We paint the town back in Kokomo They're going to take a hike through Hitler's Reich And change that high to what you know, Joe There'll be a hot time in the town of Berlin When the Yanks go marching in You could never keep them happy down on the farm After they take Berlin
1: There'll be a hot
5: time in the town of Berlin when the Yanks go marching in. I want to be their boy, spread some joy when they take over Berlin. And may I join you? There'll be a hot time in the town of Berlin when the Brooklyn boys begin to take the joint apart and tear it down when they take over Berlin. They're gonna start a row and show them how You paint the town back in Michigan They're gonna take a hike through Hitler's right And change the Hile to give me some skin There'll be a hot time In the town of Berlin, when the Yanks go marching in You're never gonna keep them happy down on the farm After they take Berlin Yanks go marching in, go marching in. I want to be their boy, spread some joy when, when they take Berlin. The Yanks, Yanks go marching in, there'll be a hot time in, in the town of Berlin. When the Brooklyn boys, boys begin, the boys begin, to take the joint join apart. And tear it down when they dig Berlin. There'll be a hot time in the town of Berlin, when the Yanks go marching in. Keep them happy down on the fire. The life of these would never please They'd shudder with alarm No, you couldn't keep them happy down on the fire. After they take Berlin
1: Careless talk doomed a fast tanker Before she ever sailed Careless talk relayed to enemy agents here And then radioed to Tokyo By way of neutral countries It might have happened like this you working hard at the shipyard, Joe? I'll say. We're finishing up that fast tanker. Fast tanker? Yeah, man. It's going to carry high-octane gas for B-29s. Fast tanker for B-29s. Fast tanker for B-29s. Faster tanker for B-29s. Fast tanker for B-29s. Remember, enemy agents are everywhere, and Tokyo itself is only minutes from the United States by radio. Watch your conversation. Don't talk. Keep the Japs in the dark. This transcribed announcement from the War and Navy Departments is brought to you as a public service.
0: When der Führer says The is der master race Right in the Fuhrer's face, not to love the Fuhrer is a great disgrace. So wait, <coughs> right in the Fuhrer's face, when her Goebbels says we own the world in space, we, <coughs> right in her Goebbels' face, when her gerring says they'll never bomb this place, we, <coughs> right in her Goehring's face, are we not the supermen? Are you pure supermen? Yavi ja, be is der supermen? Super duper supermen? Is this Nazi land so good? Would you leave it if you could? Ja, this Nazi land is good And we would leave it if we could We bring the world new order Heal Hitler's world new order Every man of foreign race Will love their pure face When we bring to the world disorder and the Führer says the is der master race. We <coughs> ride in the Führer's face not to love der Führer is a great disgrace. So we <coughs> ride in the Führer's face. Are we not the supermen, Are young pure supermen? Yah, ja, be is der supermen, super, duper supermen. Is this Nazi land so good? Would you leave it if you could? Yah, ja, this Nazi land is good. We would leave it if we could. We bring the world new order. Heal Hitler's world new order. Every man of foreign race will love their purer's face when we bring to the world disorder. When the Fuhrer says the is der master race, we <coughs> ride in the Fuhrer's space not to love. Der Fuhrer is a great disgrace, so we <coughs> ride in the Fuhrer's space, ride in the Fuhrer's space.